0: O dasat das Shri Shri Maheswari, H. Bhaktavir da Samadguru Parikhi, Anantakumari, Arundaki, Krintara Shrimad Bhagwata Maki, Sambe da Bhaktavir da Maki, Gaur Premanandi, All glories to Samadgurus, All glories to Samadgurus, All Glorious to Samadgurus, All Glorious to Shri Shri Guru and Shri Guranga. Om Ajana Timidandasyam Gananjana Shalakhayam Shakshur Amelitam Yena Tazmai Shri Guru Namaha Shri Chaitanyam Anobishtam Stapi Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupaka Damayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vandeham, sri guru sri uta padakamalam sri gurun vaisnavams Cha, sri rupam sagrajatam sahagana ragunatan bitam tam sa jivam savadhunam parijana sahitam krishna chetanyadevam sri radha krishna Padan, sahagana lalita Shri Vishakan Vitam's Krishna Karuna Sindho, Dina Bandho Jagatpate, Gopesha Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta namo stute Ntapta Kanchanagorangi, Radhe Brindavan Eshvari, Prishabhanu Sute Devi, Pranamami Hari Priye, Vanchakopa Cha. Repass indubia evacha patitanam pabanebio namo namonamaha Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nitta Nanda Sri Hadwaita Gadadhar Sri Vasadi goat Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare Okay, so we're on 111, what is it? 14? Is that correct? <coughs> Krishna's entrance into Dwaraka <coughs> after the Battle of Kurukshetra. Hmm. Samarjitam ha marga Samarjitam ha marga, Samarjitam ha marga. <coughs> Samarjitam ha marga. Rata panaka chut Radya panaka, Radya panaka, Radya panaka Siktam ganda uptam Siktaṁ ganda Jalaya Uptam Pala Palapushpak <coughs> <coughs> Pala Pushpak Satan Kurai, Pala Pushpak Satan Samarjita Mahamarga. Ratyapanaka chatvaram chatvam jalaya uptamai uptam palapushpakshatan kurai <coughs> <coughs> samarjita mahamarga yatyapanakachatvaram Panaka Chatvaram <coughs> Jalaya Uptam Pala Push Pakshatankuraya Samarjita Mahamarga, mahamarga <coughs> Yatya Panaka Chatvaram siktaṁ gandha-jalāya-uktaṁ pala-push-pakṣaṁ kurāya sammarjita-mahārga <coughs> ratyapanaka chatvaram. siktaṁ gandha-jalāya-uktaṁ Pala Pushpak kūraī Ladies? Samarjita Mahamarga, mahamarga. Rattyapanaka Chatvaram Shiktanganda Jalai Uptam Shiktanganda Jalai Uptam Pala Pushpak Samarjitam Thoroughly Cleansed Mahamarga Highways Ratya Lanes and Subways <laughs> Apanaka Shopping Marketplaces chatvaram public meeting places. Shiktam, moistened with. Gandajalai Jalai, scented water. Uptam, was strewn with. Palap, fruits. Pushpa, flowers. Akshata, unbroken. An-kurai. Ankurai. Seeds. So the translation reads The highways, subways, lanes, markets, public meeting places were all thoroughly cleansed and then moistened with scented water. And to welcome the Lord, fruits, flowers, and unbroken seeds were strewn everywhere. <coughs> so I say, Can you please repeat? The highways. Subways, lanes, markets, and public meeting places were all thoroughly cleansed and then moistened with scented water. And to welcome the Lord, fruits, flowers, and unbroken seeds were strewn everywhere. So the purport reads scented waters prepared by distilling flowers like rose and keora (coughs) were requisitioned to wet the roads streets and lanes of dhwarakadham such places along with the marketplace and public meeting places were thoroughly cleansed from the above description it appears that the city of dhwarakadham was considerably big containing many highways, streets, and public meeting places with parks, gardens, and reservoirs of water, all very nicely decorated with flowers and fruits. And to welcome the Lord such flowers and fruits with unbroken seeds of grain were also strewn over the public places. Unbroken seeds of grains or fruits in the seedling stage were considered auspicious. And they are still so used by Hindus, in general, on festival days. Sammarjita mahamarga ratyapañaka chatvaram shiktañgandha chalairuktañ palapushpa Kurai <coughs> <coughs> On the highways, subways, lanes, markets and public meeting places, were all thoroughly cleansed and then moistened with scented water and to welcome the lord fruits flowers and unbroken seeds were strewn everywhere of course when you read this verse in new york city something else comes to mind when you hear subways <laughs> but uh, i'm sure they mean sunken tunnels or something like that but uh any anyway, rate um, This verse is describing how the residents of Dwarka prepared to meet the Supreme Lord. He'd been away for some time and we heard all this preparation of how they were thinking, how they were feeling, a sense of um, melancholia. Prabhupada uses that word in the um, purport some verses back. They were feeling a sense of uh, loss because he was not among them and now he's coming back from being gone uh, to fight the Battle of Kurukshetra and they're all very happy to see the Supreme Lord again and uh, to do that they are decking the halls as we say so they are performing all kinds of auspicious activities and putting auspicious things everywhere. Seeds and grains and flowers and scented water with rose essence in it and other things, kaora, whatever that is. (coughs) And these are things that are attractive to the senses. So this is something that's actually interesting if you stop and think about it. That those things which have to do with the Supreme Lord, which come from spiritual life, they tend to be colorful and attractive to the senses. And they have a sense of um, um, goodness to them they have a sense of substance to them they have a sense of art to them we've been kind of talking about this idea of the Supreme Lord and art (coughs) and we're going to talk a little bit more about it in a few minutes and it's interesting that the things of this mundane world that actually people find Um, attractive to their mundane senses are the opposite they are dark and uh, kind of repulsive in some ways I mean all you have to do is to go into a bar and you see that it's dark in there there's places where people have thrown up it's hard to look at it's repulsive in many ways of course people who are interested in drinking they overlook all that and we see in general our culture our culture of waste and artificial needs and artificial production there's tra- See Thank you. Squealing tires, that's the thing that really drives me fast you New York. You just walk down the street, and if somebody's got to squeal their tires they take hey, off or, or around the corner. Just, you know, you're not even thinking about it. It's just this grating very, very loud. And, you know, things kind of smell funny, and uh, there's no flowers there, you know. If there are, they're all plastic, you know. That's the thing that drives me the most crazy about Hindu temples, is their total devotion to plastic flowers, which to me are like the antithesis of flowers. <laughs> and just to see a plastic flower, I want to go somewhere. Else. <laughs> What's worse yet yeah, is when people give you plastic blooms, and you have to put them on and they kind of itch and they, they don't smell, right? It's kind of uh, seem like a, a, an insult, Than right? <laughs> yeah. having, uh, you know, something nice put on you. So um, these actually, <laughs> there was a time. There was a couple coming here, a boy and a girl, and they were, you know, getting romantic and thinking about getting married. Uh, they were uh, both coming to the Krishna Consciousness Center, but they were both coming from a Jehovah's Witness background. And uh, so, one time, they they asked themselves a the question: Where would they be married? Would they be married in a Jehovah's Witness ceremony, or would they be married in a and they decided, categorically, that they would be married in a Krishna ceremony because we use real flowers. <laughs> so, anyway, any rate, we can see that there's something, you know, uh, very attractive about all this kind of thing. And um, we can see also that everybody was turning out to see Krishna. And um, one of the things that's kind of amazing, and uh, we'll read about it in about two or three verses. In a, sorry if this is a spoiler. But, uh, it mentions that uh, not only were all these different people coming out, but uh, the prostitutes come out to see Krishna. And it says that they were devotees of Krishna. And Prabhupada says yes, that they are two devotees. So, you know, this is one of those things that kind of like does the thing to our mind. So, okay, they're prostitutes, but they're devotees. How does that work? So, uh, what's what I thought I would talk a little bit about, because I think it's an important thing, is that if we look at Bhagavad Gita chapter 12, <coughs> My voice has given me a lot of hassle this morning. Starting at about verse eight or nine, you know, we hear this sequence of how someone can serve Krishna. And of course it starts off with always think of me become my devotee, you know. So, Krishna starts off with always thinking of him. Surely you will come to me. Then he says, well, if you can't do that, you can't always think of me, then follow the regular principles of devotional service. In this way, you will develop a desire to attain to me. So I think the first one is verse eight, and this one's verse 9, 12.9, and then we hear, well, if you can't do that, then work for me. And then we hear in verse 11, well, if you can't do that, then try to renounce the fruits of your actions. That's 11. Then 12, we hear, well, uh, then try to um, offer the fruits of your labor to me, and then you can either perform meditation or cultivate knowledge. So these kind of about eight things are listed. In these verses and we see this is kind of like a target bullseye I always think of it you know with the very center being the best thing which is always think of me which equates in our usual uh, devotee um, way of talking about things as raganuga bhakti has actually or ragatmika bhakti, spontaneous devotion always thinking of Krishna. The only people who can always think of Krishna are those who are completely free from all material baggage and they're always thinking of Krishna. Then the second step back is what we usually think of as sadhana bhakti where we're following certain practical everyday activities. We're chanting, We're avoiding the pillars of sinful life. We're rising early, going to um, read and hear about Krishna, engaging in kirtan, etc., (coughs) etc. So that's sadhana bhakti. But then another stage down from that is working for Krishna. So, what does that suggest? That suggests people who are not. Fully yet able to follow the regular principles of spiritual life. They are also devotees. They are not devotees in the sense that they follow the four regular principles, maybe, <coughs> but they are devotees in the sense that they're trying to serve Krishna. And if they do that long enough, they will certainly come to the stage where they do indeed follow the four regular principles. And then it gets confusing after that. Burijan tries to unscramble a little bit in his, uh, you know, uh, surrender unto me. Um, maybe if there's interest, we can get into details there, but I'll just kind of explain it, that the verses are not in order after that, that actually the next tier down uh, from working for Krishna is actually surrendering the fruits of your labor. It's not quite the same thing as working for Krishna. Working for Krishna implies that all of our work is being done for Krishna. Whereas surrendering the fruits means that, yes, we are giving some of the fruits to Krishna, but we are also working for ourselves. And then the idea of um, cultivating knowledge and meditation, Those are below that where if you're not really ready to do that, you're trying to cultivate the understanding of why you should surrender some of the fruits of your labor to Krishna. And you're cultivating maybe a meditation. Below that even is just uh, trying to renounce the fruits of your action, which doesn't imply that you're renouncing them for Krishna, it just implies that you're renouncing them maybe to some other good cause. So that's at the very bottom of the rung. So we see that if you want to look at the whole picture of people coming to Krishna consciousness, you should kind of see that whole um, schedule or that whole structure of people at the very innermost point and people not quite there and we should not look down upon, or much less discourage people who may be at a wider ring not quite so close to the center. Because if they are encouraged, eventually they will come deeper and deeper. Through the process of Krishna consciousness, one can eventually come to giving up sinful life altogether One can then come to fully following the rules and regulations of Krishna consciousness. And then one can come to spontaneous service for Krishna, the highest platform. So, (coughs) um, we can also... Uh, understand as Prabhupada will talk about a little bit later that not only were these things being used but we will see others come uh, particularly it's mentioned the, um, um, the the Sutta the Magadha the Vanda Vandis, uh and the um, the dancers, those who are dramatists, those who are um, genealogists, those who are historians and uh, (coughs) those who sing the gandharvas. So these are various art forms and we've been talking about this in some other classes that we've been discussing that the arts are actually designed to help us to use our senses and our tendency to be attracted we've been talking about the attractiveness of flowers and things like that but art is also attractive and so is music and so is drama and in every culture If you go far enough back into the art of that culture, the music of that culture, the architecture of that culture, the drama of that culture, you will always discover that it is connected to religious themes. It's always like that. Only in the modern world do we see art for art's sake. Do we see music that has nothing to do with spiritual life, do we hear about dramas that simply portray miserable people having miserable interactions with each other uh, to no good uh, end and eventually dying or murdering each other, whatever they do. (laughs) So uh, this is our modern world. But these things are intended to be used for Krishna's service. These are the real purposes of the art forms. And they are not something extraneous or something useless because we are sensory beings and we are not yogis on mountaintops where we you know, try to focus at the end of our nose and keep our eyes half closed so that we don't either go to sleep Or get distracted this is not our process our process is to focus on Krishna and a lot of it is through the arts and one of the things that you can probably notice is that at least uh, Krishna conscious festivals for that matter all Hindu festivals are messy they're big and they're bright and they're loud and there's colors and things are happening and stuff is all over the place and people are dancing and things like this because this is how our senses become eventually attracted to Krishna through all these different channels and various people have their abilities to utilize their forte either in music or drama or art or poetry or um, whatever it happens to be and to use it to help us to focus in on Krishna, and we see that probably this wasn't the only festival that they have when Krishna coming back. They have festivals all the time. We see this in India even today. That uh, there's festivals, festivals, festivals. You know, always going on. And in this way, we don't have a dreary life where we're knocking it out in some factory or some. You know um, skyscraper in a cubicle we are doing some activity but at the same time there's breaks and there's this idea that our whole life is within a larger framework of color and music and days where we aren't thinking about what we produce for society or what we want to buy from society we're thinking about something very different and uh, this is part (coughs) of spiritual life our uh, idea of um, art, music, drama, poetry and all the other uh, mime and uh, There's a number of all kinds of art forms. They can help us. Of course, they can also distract us too. So that's the other danger. We have to be careful to use them in the right way. So uh, I wanna leave some time for some questions or comments. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Yes. In silk garland What's that? Silk garland. Silk garland. Are there some silk flowers up there, or is that what you're saying, or just What's that? In the past. In the past. Oh, I see. <laughs> There's something actually amazing we were talking about, you know, that uh, when an artist paints a flower, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. Generally, in art school, at least if you're studying traditional art, you paint still lives and then you paint um, sort of um, uh, bodily form studies, you know, but uh, it takes a lot of effort to paint a flower and make it look realistic, but um, the real flower, it's three-dimensional and uh, you know, it moves <laughs> and it has an odor to it, <laughs> which uh, the best artists usually can't do that. You know, maybe someone's thought of that to uh, include some kind of um, scent with the flower, but. Uh, uh <clears throat> This is really kind of an amazing thing that we see that the Supreme Lord has an artistic side to him. In fact, uh, we were mentioning the other day, I forget where it mentions it, I think it's in this uh, first canto somewhere, that the birds are the artistic Um, aspect of the supreme. And you can kind of see that, that birds are not just functional, uh, they also have all these wild colors and fish as well, you know, you think. um, Of course, we do see animals that basically are just kind of functional. They're brown and uh, they're made not to stand out against the environment. But some animals seem to be a completely the other way around where they are so drastically colorful that obviously camouflage wasn't the idea when uh, they're bodily, like peacocks, you know. They have these amazing feathers, you know, that uh, really stick out. Obviously, there's some artistic thing going on there that uh, a peacock could probably survive without all that you know, decoration. But somehow or other, the Supreme Lord does something more than what's necessary just to make a function take place. You know, animals need to be able to get their food. Of course, you know, I'm always completely uh, uh, skeptical of these scientific explanations for yes the birds are like that so that the bird will attract the mate to the other side you know but we see some birds are just brown you know still somehow they manage to have little chicks (laughs) they don't have to be painted up like a peacock you know Uh, so this is ridiculous but you know people say this kind of stuff Um, and we see in general that besides just doing things just to get them done the Supreme Lord has this artistic nature about him he's called the best dresser you know so he, he doesn't just dress he dresses in a very stylistic way that when he creates things like the um, you know mountains and the waters oftentimes they're very striking to look at they aren't just functional you know if you look at the um, Skyline of some city, generally are all these square boxes, you know. Now, that's not very artistic. But when the Supreme Lord does something, it's very artistic. And we were just reading in the uh, Journey of Self Discovery where Prabhupada in 1973 gives a lecture in Auckland, New Zealand, in an art gallery. And he discusses how Krishna is the supreme artist. You know, I've never thought about that take on it, you know, that he's describing to the people at the art gallery that the supreme Lord is the supreme artist. And, you know, he talks about uh, how uh, everything is beautiful to see. And things in nature are attractive. Even people who are completely into material life who are total materialists, still they like to be out in the fresh air, on the beach or in the country or something like that. So even people like that still are attracted by the fascination of just nature in the raw without man and his intervention. And oftentimes we try to go somewhere just to be in a location where we don't see the hand of human beings doing something there. We just see nature the way it was, you know, through the ages. Because we are actually appreciating Krishna's artistic hand. In the trees, in the flowers, in the birds, in the fish. Fish are another thing that... Uh, And some frogs, too. They're like dazzlingly colorful for no apparent reason, you know, Um, they just look amazing. (coughs) And this shows that the Supreme is not just doing things to make a function. It's not just utilitarian. There is an artistic nature. And uh, so, the residents of Dwarka are using their artistic nature and collecting auspicious and um, artistic things to create a climate an offering the supreme lord needs nothing he is full in himself Atmaram, but he will utilize uh, or he will appreciate and accept the things we give him not because he needs them but because of the gesture so when somebody offers Krishna a flower Krishna created that flower he knows everything about that flower it was always his but its the gesture that Krishna savors. without the flower without the devotee that gesture would have never taken place so devotional service, especially very high devotional service, is all about these gestures. And that's what Lila and Rasa are all about. Various gestures to please the Supreme Lord, because he already owns everything. He already has everything. He already doesn't, he doesn't need anything. And he has so many people already serving him. Why does he need one more? The fact is that he wants everyone to serve him but he will never force everybody to serve him so each one living entity that turns from being ignorant or uh, avoiding Krishna to being focused on Krishna Krishna counts that as a special blessing and he tries to reciprocate okay so uh, any other questions or comments and we'll yeah <laughs> <coughs> Whenever I visit my parents, mm-hmm. um, I take flowers which my mother plants in her orchard or in her pots, and she sometimes complains. She says, It grows so nicely. Why do you have to pluck it? So uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> if you could leave it to grow and live <laughs> for, long, for longer in the garden. Right, right. right. Again, it's the idea of gestures. What, what are these things for? You know? Eventually the flower will die anyways and wilt away. Uh, but um, people have given flowers as a symbol of many different kinds of things. And we give them as a symbol of our focus on the supreme. Part of deity worship is offering a flower. I mean, we didn't think of it. It's part of the, you know, archanapatiti, that uh, the activity of doing worship for Krishna, we have chamara, water, we have ghee lamp, incense, flower, and a article of uh, cloth, uh, and two different kinds of fans. So um, we are learning how to utilize everything for Krishna. So if something is being utilized for the Supreme Lord, that was its final and most important use. Uh, If a flower gets offered to Krishna, there is nothing better that could have happened for that flower, not that it grew to old age. (laughs) Of course, um, it's hard for materialists to understand that point, that, what is the world for what is the universe for it's not for me to enjoy it's not there for itself it's there for being part of a whole collection of things a universe full of things that can be offered to Krishna in some way or another and since each thing has its different nature how we would offer it to Krishna is different and, you know, if we offer a flower to Krishna, it's better than we um, just let it go. Of course, um, I do mention the fact that we should not um, pilfer flowers and, <laughs> and offer them to Krishna. Although, for the flower, it's a good, a good thing. For the Hare Krishna movement, it's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, and at one time, um, we were doing this routinely. <laughs> in fact, some temples had a whole flower uh, pirate thing going, where they would go to some park or something like that in the middle of the night and pull baskets of flowers and then offer them to the deities instead of buying them. And uh, I, you know, uh, I think I I still cringe when I hear these. <laughs> kind of thing. I, I'm hoping that our movement has finally gone beyond that. Of course, it is true that the flower being offered to Krishna is better than if it remained with the owner and this and that and the other, but the negative effect it has on people and their attitude to the Hare Krishna movement, I think, outweighs the benefit that <laughs> it has for the flower. <laughs> At any rate, that's part of the history of the Hare Krishna movement. Yeah. I hope it's the history. <laughs> yes, Rishi. He's a father. So what is that? Satisfied. Yeah. But when Jagannath was Sita's new mother, he was uh, taking the first foods uh, and goods, simple things, but he always wanted all men mm-hmm. Right. By spying in the Right. And eventually wound up in the temple. Right, right, right. These are all pretexts. <laughs> Krishna never does anything because he really needs to. Everything he does is based on a pretext. <laughs> so, um, the cowherd boys, you know, they are playing with Krishna and they say, My dear Krishna, uh we are hungry. What should we do? And Krishna says, Well, go ask the Brahmanas. So um, they're not really hungry. They're just wanting to engage in another pastime with food involved and Krishna is telling them where to go to the Brahmanas. Of course they go and the Brahmanas turn them down. Then he says, we'll try going to their wives and the wives don't turn them down and they deliver all kinds of food. So everything Krishna does is basically on a pretext. You know, um, The demons come and Krishna says, oh, what is this? Uh, like?" Uh, uh, this is an interesting new play friend, you know, but it's actually Pralambasura. And uh, so he welcomes him, come, we're playing games where everybody gets on somebody else's shoulder. And uh, so uh, Balaram gets on Pralambasura's uh, shoulders and then tries to carry him off, but then Balaram says, what is this, this carrier seems strange, <laughs> and he's, oh, this is not a, not a boy, this is a demon, and he kills him, you know. so. Uh, as if they didn't know that this, you know, uh, person was actually a demon. So this is always there in all of Krishna's pastimes, that uh, um, for the script to work, for the pastimes to work, he apparently has to not know some things. He apparently has to figure things out. He apparently negotiates things and all these kind of activities. Uh, He doesn't need to eat anything, but if opulent food is there, then he appreciates that someone went to the trouble to make that opulent food happen. All right, so um, thank you all very much for your kind attention. All glories to Srimad Bhagavatam. All glories to the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. Hare Krishna.